Okay, Colossians chapter 2. Say amen if you're there. Woo! Okay, we're going to finish the whole chapter. We're in verse 16 today through 23. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 16. Paul says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things that come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one beguile or cheat you out of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, which is Jesus Christ, from whom all the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using. According to the commandments of the doctrines of men, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Father, we thank you... Um, for your word that just guides us and gives us an answer to everything that we can know your will for us. We can know what you don't want us to do. We, we can recognize when legalisms have crept in. We know what scripture is. Lord, you've, you've given us this book, this manual of life. And we have all we need right here. We don't need to study the other junk that's out there. We just need to study this book. And Lord, speak to us today by your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, I entitled the message today, Not Legalism, But Christ, Part 2. And then I subtitled it, Know Your Bible. Know Your Bible. It's so important for us to know our Bible. I know I say that all the time. You probably get tired of me hearing that. But if you want to protect yourself against false doctrine false teaching, and legalism, all you need to do is know your Bible. Study the Bible. I have friends that are, that are Christians. I love them. They're, they're dear, sweet saints. They do a lot in ministry. But I think they focus too much on studying false doctrines. And they study the Book of Mormon. They study the New World's translations. They study the Koran so they'll be able to be equipped to speak against those things when somebody tries to share their false religion with them. Personally, I wouldn't waste hours studying a false teaching. You know, I've learned a long time ago that if you just study the Bible, the real deal, that when false teachings comes around, red flag, hello. And all you got to say is, that's not true. And they'll say, oh, it's true. And you say, well, show me that in the Bible. They can't do it. See, in our capital... When they have someone study counterfeit money, they don't actually study counterfeit money. They study the real deal. They study a $100 bill that's the real deal. Because if you study the real deal, when the counterfeit comes, you go, oh, that's, that's a counterfeit. Then look anything like what I've been studying. That's why it's so important to study your Bible. 
I don't have to study the New World Translation. I don't have to study the Book of Mormon. I don't have to study the Koran. I don't have to study uh, you know, the, the writings of Buddha or Krishna. I just need to read this book, and this book will set me free. And if you study this, then you'll know when someone rolls up to your door and they try to tell you about another Jesus, you can say, that's not my Jesus. So when a Mormon comes to your door and knocks on the door, and guys, it's not that I'm trying to bash other groups, but you need to know truth. Because Mormonism and Jehovah Witness is not Christianity. It is not the same Jesus. You need to understand that. We need to love on the Mormon. We need to love on the Jehovah Witness. We need to love on all these other groups and share the love of God because they need to be saved. And if you care for the lost, then you're going to have a love for the lost. But you need to know your Bible. So when someone comes up to your door and they're telling you about what they believe and they say to you that, uh, you know, Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, I go, show me that in the Bible. And they say, well, it's not in the Bible, but it's in the Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith wrote. And I go, well, I'm not accepting the book that Joseph Smith wrote. You know, most people don't know, and most Mormons don't know, that Joseph Smith was thrown into jail for being a con artist and was assassinated for the heresy that he was preaching. And they'll say, well, well, it, it's, it's in the Book of, of Mormon. And, and, you know, the angel Moroni came to Joseph Smith and gave him another gospel, another testament of Jesus Christ. I go, hmm, that's interesting. The Bible says don't add to the Bible, don't take away from the Bible. It's funny that Paul in Galatians says, if anybody comes preaching another gospel, another testament of Jesus Christ, says let them go to hell. Even if it's an angel. All you got to do is read your Bible. When a Jehovah Witness comes to your door, you try to share the love of God with them. You say, you need the real Jesus, because they're going to tell you Jesus is Michael the Archangel. My God is not a created being. Jesus came down in the image of the invisible God, clothed in flesh to die for our sins. He is the creator of all things. All things are created by Him and for Him. He was before all things, meaning He is the pre-existent one. He's the creator, and all things are holding together because of Him. He's not Michael the archangel. And then they'll say stuff, and you'll go, show me that in the Bible. They can't show it to you in the Bible, so you disregard it. You say, show me that Bible. Well, it's in our writings. It's in the New World Translation. I go, I don't accept that. That's the writing of men. And they say, well, the Bible was written by men. No, the Bible was written by the power of the Holy Spirit, 66 books by 40 authors over thousands of years, and they all agreed. No Internet, no Instagram, no Snapchat. Different areas, never even talk to each other. The Word of God is the breathed Word, the truth, the inspiration of God by the Holy Spirit breathed the words of God. You know, and here's an interesting thing that you'll get many times from the Jehovah's Witness. They'll say, well, what you don't understand is that Jesus already appeared to us and that's why we've brought this book to you. I go, no, you don't understand. You need to read your Bible. You don't need to read this book. 
they, they will tell you that Jesus appeared to him in the early 1900s in a secret chamber to some of the elders. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is, this is what blows me away about God. His word is so thorough. He anticipated all these groups. Because here's the thing. The Lord tells us in Scripture that he's not going to step foot on this earth until his second coming. Until he puts down the enemy and he steps his foot on the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Olives splits in two and the water comes up from under the altar and heals the world and he starts his thousand-year millennial kingdom reign. That's when he says he's coming. And then he warns us in Matthew 24, so if anybody says before that the Christ is here or there, don't believe him. He even says in Matthew 24, even if they say I'm in the desert or in a secret chamber, believe it not. Is the Word of God thorough or not? So you don't have to study the Koran. You don't have to study the Book of Mormon. You, you need to love on those guys and share the gospel with those guys. Just study the real deal and you won't have problems. You've got to know the Word of God. That's the only way you're going to be able to reason with them. Because it's funny that, that the Mormons and the Jehovah Witness are trained to argue with Christians, though they say they're Christians, but their Jesus is not my Jesus. We need to have a heart for them because they're great people. And when it comes to works, they outdo us. Hello. Why? Because they have no assurance. They're trying to earn their way to heaven. Christianity is the only belief that you're saved by faith, not by your works, and, and we're not trying to work our way to heaven because we can't earn our salvation. It's a free gift. Every religion out there outside of Christianity is trying to earn their way, and you can't do it. So that's why they outdo us in works. That's why they're kinder, sweeter than we are. We need to step up our game. Because sometimes with the idea of knowing that we're saved by faith and it's all about grace and it's not of your works because then you'll boast, then what happens is that we just kind of don't do anything because I'm going to heaven, what's the big deal? Because if it didn't cost you anything, you really don't appreciate it. And then one day, you know what happens? You're going through your Bible and you come to that verse that you've read a hundred times and you break down in tears and you, you just bawl your eyes out because you finally realize how much Jesus has done for you. And it's at that point it clicks, and you say, you know what? I'm going to serve the true and living God. I'm going to be an example. I'm going to love the lost. I'm going to share the love of Jesus with everybody. You don't have to go to these other religions and condemn them. You don't have to point out all their faults. You know, you just got to share the love of God. And when they say something that's wrong, you just say, show me that in the Bible. Where's that in the Scriptures? That's the, that better than going back and forth to them, just show it to me. Because here's what you're going to say. They're going to say something that's not in the Bible, and, you're gonna, and they're going to come up with some kind of story and some kind of reasoning for what they're doing and saying, and you're going to say, you wouldn't have gotten that just from reading the Bible. Just read the Bible. If, if you know your Bible, you'll you'll know when a false doctrine or a false teaching creeps in, but you also know when someone's trying to put legalism on you. What's legalism? It's when somebody makes you feel like you have to do something in order to really be saved, or, or, or you, you need to do something to measure up to where I'm at. Legalism is 
worship of self. It's self-righteous. It's when someone comes and says, you've got to do this in order to really be saved. Uh, Show me that in the Bible. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. I serve God because I love God, because I appreciate all that He's done for me. But now that I know that I'm saved by grace, by faith, it's not for me to go around and put a trip on somebody like, hey, bro, how many, how many chapters are you reading today? Oh, two. Doing ten. Doing ten. And I'm praying for three hours. And I witnessed to five people yesterday. Now, is that good stuff? That's great stuff. But when I go around and start boasting that look what I'm doing, then I got the wrong heart. Are you reading 10 chapters to get through 10 chapters? Are you reading 10 chapters to just go, wow, Lord, you are amazing? There's a difference. I used to try to power out. We, I, we had a contest with uh, some other pastors from the mainland. We're seeing how many times we could read through the Bible in one year. You know, can we do it four or five times? You know, who's, you know, with this? But you know what? I stopped. Because I found that all I was doing was power reading. I wasn't really chewing on it. I wasn't really meditating on the Word of God. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm just going to go slow. And I'm going to chew on every word. And I'm going to digest it. And I'm going to meditate on it. Because that's what's going to grow me in the grace and knowledge of Him. If you want to power through the Bible, you can. But don't make me feel guilty if I didn't. Does that make sense? That's what legalism is. It's making people feel guilty that they're not doing what you're doing, and then you start acting like you're more spiritual than somebody else. Did you know that you'll never be more righteous than the day you got saved? Did you know God will never love you more than the day you got saved? So you're not trying to earn your righteousness. You're not trying to earn His love. Just love Him back. Just when He speaks to you and says, do this, do it. If the Bible's clear and it says, don't do this, guess what? Don't do it. If God says, do this, guess what? Do it. But then you have these gray areas, and that's where we really get caught up into legalism. We have certain liberties that God says, let every person examine their heart. Anything that we do that is not in faith is sin. And so like we have certain liberties that maybe someone else that's a believer doesn't have that liberty. You say, like what? Well, let's say TV. Some Christians think you, need, you can't watch TV. You shouldn't watch TV. Other Christians have a TV. So if you say you can't have a TV because for you, you can't, you can't uh, you know, control what you watch and you sit in front of the TV for hours and you just waste so much time, then God's speaking to you saying you don't need a TV. But then over here, someone else likes watching sports. They know how to choose the proper channel. And they don't spend hours in front of the TV. And God says, you can watch TV. But the person that's not watching TV is now judging me for having a TV or I'm judging them for not having a TV. That's legalism. I don't have a problem with TV. You have a problem with TV? Then I won't turn it on when you're over. You see what I'm saying? So we have certain liberties, like, you know, food. Some people are vegetarians. That's great if you want to be a vegetarian, but don't look down on me for being a carnivore. I like meat. I like steak. 
I only eat vegetarian cows. But, <laughs> but don't judge me. This is what God's saying. Don't judge. You, you might do vegetables. You know, the Bible actually says in Romans that the vegetarian is weaker in the faith. I just thought I'd bring that up. I'm not trying to point fingers or say anything, but the vegetarian eats vegetables, and we eat meat, and he says, but don't judge the vegetarian. And vegetarian, don't judge the person that eats meat. What about music? <laughs> can we listen to secular music? Well, some Christians will tell you you can't. Some Christians say, all you can listen to is Christian music. Well, may maybe that's what you need. That's okay, but don't judge me if I don't listen to just Christian music. There's a lot of great music out there. Hello? When I go to ma the mainland, I always put on that oldies, goldies thing, you know, from the 60s. I like that stuff. And you look at me like, are you kidding me? You're listening to that? I go, what, so the Beach Boys are going to send me to hell? I don't think so. Now, of course, there's music out there that you shouldn't listen to. I mean, I, sometimes I hear these kids, they pull up at the surf spot, they bust open their doors, they got, it's booming so heavy that, you know, the cars are vibrating, you're vibrating, and it's bust a cap mofo and, you know, and all this stuff, and I'm ready to shoot somebody after listening to it. <laughs> so, you know, look, you know, be careful what you watch on TV, be careful what you listen to. And if somebody just wants to listen to Christian music, praise the Lord. And if somebody else likes jazz or something else, that's okay. Don't judge. Makeup. Can women wear makeup? Some churches don't allow it. Matter of fact, they have dress codes. Women, women don't wear makeup. They wear long dresses. The men wear suits and ties. Boy, I'd never fly here. But you know what? If you want to do that, that's great. Praise God. But, you know, I, you know, it hit me once when I was, I got saved in this church, and, we, and the church I got saved in, we would dress up and we, we'd wear Sunday clothes, we called it. We'd look nice. We cut our hair. And I remember once I was headed off to church, and I was at the gas station, I ran into this other guy, and I said, hey, bro, how you doing? And he's like, you know, like I'm in pants and, and a nice shirt. He's like in shorts, a T-shirt, a baseball cap. And I said, what are you up to today? He goes, oh, I'm heading off to church. And I looked at him, and I was being legalistic. I was like, whoa, dude, that, that's what you're going to wear? Shorts, T-shirt, baseball cap? And he said, well, you know, this is what I wear all week long, and God sees me. I mean... Bro, it's Sunday. I'm just trying to get my heart right before I get to church then worry about what I'm wearing. And I was like, whoa, that's good. <laughs> so can women wear makeup? I have an opinion. I don't think men should wear makeup. <laughs> but I'm not being legalistic. I just, that's my opinion, but... There's, there's an old saying, Jay Verna, Pastor J. Vernon McGee used to say, he said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. <laughs> if a little makeup makes you look better, great. <laughs> okay. 
I got an email more than once from people who would say that I'm leading the church to hell because I'm not teaching you guys how to say Jesus' name properly. To which I replied, oh yeah, because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever could pronounce his name will be saved. (laughs) What happens if you have an accent? That's legalism, guys. But it's out there. I have friends that went from being solid Christians to falling into being Messianic Jews, which reality of a Messianic Jew is, is not so much somebody being that was a Jew that became a Christian, but it's somebody who says they're now a Christian, but they can't let go of the things of Judaism. Because God says that when we come to Christ, that we're no longer Jew or Gentile, no longer man or woman, bond or free, we're one in Christ. So we've become whatever we were and then became a Christian. And I have good friends that I love dearly that have gone back under the law. And they've gone back to the Sabbath. And and they're telling me that I'm sending you guys in the wrong directions because uh, we worship on Sunday and not Saturday, that we need to keep the Sabbath. And you can run them to these scriptures, and for some reason they don't see it. Because we just read that Don't let anybody judge you over food or drink or new moons or festivals or Sabbaths. These things are a shadow, but Christ Jesus is the substance. So they were a shadow of things to come, and Jesus has come and fulfilled those things. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the Sabbath. And they'll say, well, you've got to worship on Sabbath. Even the Seventh-day Adventists will say that. And actually, I've, I've spoken with some Seventh-day Adventists, and they said, you know, you, know, you need to worship on, on Saturday. And, and uh, you know, and, and, you know, and they, they, they have, like, dietary laws, too. They don't eat pork. They don't eat shellfish. And that's fine if you want to, but don't judge me. And they tell me that, you know, by worshiping on Sunday that we're worshiping Satan. I go, really? You didn't pull that out of the Bible, You didn't get that from just reading the Bible. And so they based it on a satanic calendar that because we're worshiping on Sunday, we're worshiping Satan. And I said, okay, if you're going to measure me by that calendar, then you got to do it for yourself too. Saturday is the worship of the God of Saturn. They're like, it is? I am? I go, yeah, that's what you're doing. See how stupid that is? Romans tells us that one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth them all the same. If you want to worship on Saturday, praise the Lord. You want to worship on Sunday, praise the Lord. If you want to worship Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's for me. Give him thanks. Can Christians dance? Some can. (laughs) Most of them can't, but... You see what I'm saying, guys? This is the stuff that divides churches. This is the stuff that gets Christians fighting and disputing. We're supposed to have unity, whether it's this church, the church down the street, 
New Hope, Missionary, KCF. We're supposed to have unity because we work better when we're united to bring the gospel to the North Shore. Amen? And one thing we don't want to do is stumble a brother with our liberties. This is one of the most touchy subjects of all. I guess I got to deal with it. I tried to skip by it. I was going to move on to the verse, but. Can a Christian drink? Ooh. Got real serious. I got everybody's attention. Well, the Bible says you can't be drunk. I've been at conferences where I've had pastors that were friends actually say that Christians can't drink. It's forbidden. And I had to pull them aside afterwards and rebuke them. Because that's not sound doctrine. It's not biblical. Now, let me, let me just say this. If you're an alcoholic, you can't drink. Because you don't know how to do anything but wake up on the floor. We've got guys in rehab. We've got U-turn guys that are trying to get out of drug and alcohol and trying to get away from smoking cigarettes. And so they go into this program. They're not allowed to drink. They're not allowed to take drugs. And they're not allowed to smoke. Why? Because they want to get better. They want to get healthy. And for them that are alcoholics, for them they can't drink another drop because they don't have that control. Is smoking a sin? It's a nasty habit, but so is a lot of sugar. It's bad for you. Smoking won't keep you out of heaven. You just smell like hell when you get there. Let's be real, though. Because this is stuff people divide over. I can't believe pastor said Christians can drink. Do I have the right to go out to dinner with my wife and have a glass of wine? I do. Do I do that? No, because I don't want to stumble somebody. Because I somebody, somebody from church is going to see me. And it may be somebody that was stumbling with alcohol, and they're like, oh, wow, look, pastor's drinking. Woohoo! And then they wake up on the floor, and I stumbled them. It's not worth it to me to have a glass of wine at the risk of stumbling you. The Bible talks all about that. But we've got to teach truth. We've got to teach sound doctrine. It's important. And so he says, let no one judge you in food or drink regarding festivals or new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Don't let anybody judge you over food, what you eat. There's, if you want to be kosher, be kosher. Wasn't that the biggest struggle for Peter? Acts chapter 10. 
Peter's born again. Pentecost already took place. He's witnessing things that are blowing his mind. He's down at Joppa. He goes up on the rooftop to pray while they're making food. He's up on the rooftop, and all of a sudden he starts to smell the food coming up. And he's getting really hungry. And while he's praying, all of a sudden he has this vision. God lets down a sheet from heaven. And then all these animals start sliding down the sheet. And God says, arise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no way. Not so, Lord. Three words you never want to say to God. Not so, Lord. Steve, do this. Not so. He says, arise, kill, eat. Why? What's he seeing? He's seen every kind of food that he eats sliding down, every kind of animal sliding down. He's seen lamb sliding down. He's seen, you know, oxen sliding down. But all of a sudden, whoo, there comes that pig. Whee! Here comes the lobster. The shrimp's sliding down. Bacon, everything's coming down the thing. And he says, arise, kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. Never eaten anything unclean. I'm spiritual. Peter was kind of a three times guy, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, he denied the Lord three times. The Lord, after the resurrection, had to ask him, Peter, do you love me? Three times. He had to ask Peter, Peter, will you feed my sheep? Three times. Peter, would you feed my sheep? Peter, pe feed my sheep. And then this, this little vision that he had up in Joppa on the roof, God had to show it to him three times before he got a grip on it. If you want to eat kosher, eat kosher. But don't put a trip on me. I like bacon on my cheeseburger. I love bacon. I, I imagine, imagine what happened to Peter and Paul and John and all those guys when they had their first bacon. Like, man. Because, I mean, come on, bacon's like, it's, it improves the best of foods, doesn't it? Right? Bacon-wrapped filet, bacon-wrapped asparagus. It's my salad with a little bacon sprinkled on there. Right? <laughs> so don't anybody judge you over food or drink. New moons, festivals. He's talking about uh, they, they had lunar feasts, the, the Jewish people. And they, they had these festivals. And, and Jesus was all about the festival. He was, he was the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He was the fulfillment of Passover and, and Pentecost and first fruits and unleavened. He's the fulfillment of those things, these things were a shadow pointing to the Messiah that would come. And so he says, don't let anybody judge you. If you want to worship on the feast, if you want to worship Passover, I love to do that. If you want to worship tabernacles, I love to do that. If you want to worship at Pentecost, go. But it's not, it's not, it, it's, it's not required to be saved. If you want to do it or don't want to do it, that's great, but don't judge me. That's what he's saying. When I get these guys who... Um, Christians that are falling back under Sabbath and telling us as the church that we got to worship on Sabbath, I have to point them, you know, Exodus 31 tells us that the Sabbath was a covenant between God and Israel, God and Israel throughout their generations. God and Israel. 
it's not brought over to the church. Because when a Jew gets saved, now he's in Christ Jesus and he's resting in the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And, and now we rest in him. And when I get to these people that are like all about Sabbath, well, I said, well, okay, well, if, you, if you're all about the Sabbath, well, then you've got to keep the whole Sabbath, right? I mean, it, just don't do one thing. God, do the whole thing. Remember what God said. What's that mean? I work six days and I rest on the Sabbath. That's not I work four or five-day week. I work six days and rest on the Sabbath. If you're working four or five days a week and you're saying you've got to keep Sabbath, you've already broke it. Not to mention, every seventh year, you had to take the whole year off. So if you had a business, you had to let your, your business lay fallow for a year. Anybody doing that? And then every 50 years is the year of Jubilee. The 50th year, you've got to erase everybody's debt that they owe you. Still keeping the Sabbath, are you? I mean, come on, if you're going to keep it, keep it all. What's that mean? You can't travel too far from your house on the Sabbath. You can't ignite a flame. That means there's no cooking. You can't start your car. You can't use cash. I mean, you can't use, yeah, you can't use cash. I've been in Israel, and because they can't use cash, and they, you know, because then they're causing someone else to serve them, can't do that. So they, you can't use cash, so you know what they do? They use credit cards. See, they find a way around it. Can't kindle a fire, so you can't flip a light switch on, start your car. He says that these things are a shadow of things to come. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. I am no longer under the law. Did you know that? I am dead to the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. I'm under a greater law, the law of the Spirit. And the funny thing is, is when I was under the law, I, I kept it so bad, I barely could keep it. I, I mean, I couldn't keep it at all. You know what I'm saying? I, I could barely accomplish any of it. And then when I got saved and I have Christ dwelling in me now and I'm under the law of the Spirit... I do so much better than I used to because I have Christ in me guiding me saying, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, do that. Go over here. Don't go over there. And I find myself keeping the law better than I ever have in my life, though yet I'm still a sinner, but I'm doing better. I'm not what I used to be because I have the power of God in me. Though I still have free will, I can make choices and I can choose to serve God or choose to serve my flesh. I want to serve God. So I'm not under the law. I'm not under the Sabbath because I'm under the Lord of the Sabbath. And these things were a shadow of the things to come. That is important for us to understand because there's a lot of people that are caught up in legalism. They're still trying to earn their way to heaven. You can't do that. You're saved by faith. And if these things were a shadow of things to come, but Jesus Christ is the substance, that means now that Jesus has come, why do you want to worship the shadow? Right? So, 
if, if I love my family and I go on a mission trip and I'm gone for a month and I got a picture of them and every day I pull that picture out, I go, man, I sure love those guys. Wow, what a great picture. And then I come back from the mission trip and they meet me at the airport and I see them standing at the gate. But instead of running to and embrace them, I pull out that picture and go, oh, man. That picture. It's a great picture. I miss them. Well, that's stupid. If my wife's gone on a trip and she comes back and I see her walk up in the driveway, I'm not going to go jump on the cement where her shadow is and start hugging and kissing the shadow. She's going to say, I'm right here. That's what Jesus is saying to you right now. I, I, I'm right here. Why are you doing those things that were a shadow of me coming? Does that make sense? In verse 18, he says, Let no one cheat you or beguile you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, which is Jesus Christ, from whom all the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. He's saying, don't let anybody cheat you, beguile you. Of what? Of your relationship with the Lord. There, there was people, they were worshiping angels. They were, and they were doing it with false humility. They were, they were, they were coming in, they are saying to the Colossians, oh, you know, you can't just go to God yourself. Why not? Oh, no, you know, you're not worthy. And they, with their false humility, oh, I'm just a worm, you know, I'm just, I'm not worthy, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't even want to step in the presence of God because I'm just not worthy, so I'm going to talk to this angel who's going to talk to this angel, who's going to talk to Jesus, who's going to talk to the Father, and then they'll get back to me. You, this sounds stupid, but it was real, and it's still real today. I'm not worthy. Yeah, but God made a way. It's still going on today. The worship of saints. Hello. You know, in, in Rome, so many people have kissed the feet of the statue of Peter and worshiped Peter. So many people kissed his feet that they wore down his big toe and they had to replace it. Now, first of all, this is kind of nasty anyway, right? But how about this, the worship of Mary? Just as wrong. Just as wrong. Angel can't save you. Mary can't save you. The saints can't save you. This whole idea like, well, you know, I'll go to Mary and she can reach your son. Surely he'll listen to her. Stop it. The veil has been torn. Your sin's been nailed to the cross. Sin has been paid for. You are saved by grace through faith. And Jesus made a way. You have access. You can go boldly before the throne of grace and you can go directly to God the way He intended it. That is privilege. Be 
Because here's, here's why. Because a man can't forgive your sins. I can't go to a priest. I grew up in a church where you had to go confess your sins to a priest, and then he would give you a bunch of Hail Marys and Our Fathers to say, and if I rushed through those really quick and got them done, then I was okay. God says, I hate vain repetition. And that no man can forgive me of my sins, and so I, I don't go to a man. I go to Jesus. There's one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus, who is God. That's the good news. In verse 20, he says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles or the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments of the doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, but false humility, neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. He's saying these things are external. That doesn't mean your heart's right. You're just trying to do external things to make yourself look better. He says, don't let anybody trick you. He says that these things that they're doing are only the appearance of wisdom, but they're legalisms. If you're following the Word of God, you're not going to go wrong. But if you're following the Word of man and the principles of this world and the philosophies of this world and following the empty deceit, you're going to get off track. Is those things are going to perish. Why, why are you doing things according to the way man tells you? Why don't you do it the way God's telling you? And don't be so critical on your brother and sister because they're not doing what you're doing. Let God work in them. Listen, we, we need help in ministries. But if I put a guilt trip on you to get you to serve, you're only going to last a little bit before you don't want to do it because I guilted you to do it. you gotta, you got to hear Jesus say, I want you to do that. Because then you're going to come in here. You're not going to need a pat on the back. Why? Because you're doing it for Jesus. If you come in and you start serving, you get all grumbly. Nobody said thanks. Nobody said attaboy. I'm just stuck here doing it all by myself. I can't believe no one's helping. I said, well, what would you do it for? Well, I want to do it for Jesus. Well, who told you to do it? Jesus. Well, then take it up with him. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't talk to you like that. But you know what I'm saying? Well, if I do this or do that, man, that's going to make me more holy. That's the problem. They only have the appearance of wisdom, but legalism is self-righteousness, and it's the worship of self. Because now nobody's measuring up because they're not doing what you're doing. And I'm going to deny myself this, this, and this, because why? Because I'm more holy than you. You know why it's hard for me to fast and pray? Because I always think I'm going to lose a little weight when I do it. It's like in the back of my mind, yeah, I really need to fast and pray. I know that's the right thing to do once in a while. And, oh, yeah, I'm going to shed a few pounds, too. And, and then my heart's all wrong. But, you know, and I just go, well, Lord, whether my heart's right or wrong, I'll do it because this is an important issue. And, but I'm not going to impose that upon you. 
There was, um, well, there's, there's a lot of people. You've heard of monks and, and those that go, uh, you know, they make these vows of silence and things like that, or they go up to a monastery, the top of a mountain, and they get away from society, and they, they don't do this and they don't do that. You, amen? Well, there was this monk that went up to um, the top of this mountain. He joined this monastery, and basically they removed themselves from everybody else. And so for me, if you're trying to get more holy and you remove yourself from everybody else, who are you helping? Self. Self. So anyway, this monk joins this monastery, and the monastery, they took a vow that you can't speak. And you're only allowed to say two words after each year is completed. So this guy's there, and whole year goes by, and then at the end of the year, he goes before the high priest, and he, he says, food, bad. <laughs> and the priest goes, okay, all right, let's pray about that. And then another year goes by, he gets before the high priest, and he says, bed, hard. Okay, all right, let's pray. The third year, he comes back and he looks at the high priest and he says, I quit. <laughs> and the priest goes, well, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> In verse 23, when he says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, in self-imposed religion, false humility. They neglect the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. In other words, they have no power to change your life. Jesus has to do that. You can look good on the outside, but your heart could be wrong. And you could be doing it for the, the glory of men rather than doing it for Jesus, who deserves hundred percent of us faith produces good works true faith truth true transforming faith produces good works and God wants to give you a heart like his good works doesn't make you more righteous you will never be more righteous than the day you got saved Good works will never cause Jesus to love you more. He'll never love you more than the day you got saved. So why do we do good works? Because we love the one who did so much for us. And I don't do it out of obligation. I do it out of love. Oh, gosh, let me close with this. I'm out of time under the law, but I'm feeling kind of free right now, so... <laughs> Legalism is the worship of self. It's self-righteousness. Jesus says if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you become servant of all. You become other-centered rather than self-centered. And when I see someone serving with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, with love, I see someone who loves Jesus 
because they so appreciate all that Jesus has done for them. It's not legalism. It's love. It's love. And those that serve Jesus, they serve not expecting anything in return because he's already given them enough. They don't look down on others. They're not self-righteous. They're not legalists. They do good works because they love the one who saved them. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Just for the reminder. Lord, you are good. And we ask that you would strengthen us, Lord God. Give us hearts like yours. Circumcise our hearts, Lord God. Cut away that flesh, that sin that's hindering us right now, Lord. Give us strength to walk in your ways and put our trust in you. Lord, fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit as we go out into the mission field now. And give us divine appointments today to encourage people to love on those that don't know you yet and to just share the love of God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, pray this in, the heart, in your heart and mean it and you can receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and know that you're going to heaven today because it's all about faith. Pray, Lord, I believe you're who you are. I believe you're the creator and the sustainer. I believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And you're the only one that has salvation. So I come to you now, humbly, asking for forgiveness for my sins and asking you into my life, Lord Jesus Christ, save me now. If you just prayed that in your heart, you're a child of God. Go on and live in the victory of what Jesus has done for you. And go out there and share his love with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.